Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hey, Work Party listeners, you're about to dive into an insightful conversation from one of Create and Cultivate's digital summits featuring the one and only Tyra Banks. Our team at Create and Cultivate is always hosting insightful conversations centered around important topics during our digital events. And I'd be beside myself if I didn't extend this invitation and a discount to our Work Party audience to listen to these conversations live. Our next digital event, the Money Move Summit, is tackling the taboo topics of all things money on May 15th. And you can purchase your ticket at CreateCultivate.com and use code WORKPARTY at checkout for 10% off. Join us and see what all the hype is about firsthand. And who knows, you might even learn a thing or two on how to invest your cash, negotiate your salary, and grow your business. And now, without further ado, Miss Tyra Banks. It's such an honor to get to interview you, and I'm really excited to dig into your incredible career. So there's a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to dive right in. Not only were you in the midst of launching Model Land, but you just dropped a huge bomb on us and officially announced that you're launching an ice cream brand, Smize Cream, uh, a clever nod to obviously your famous Smize modeling technique. So Tell us, you know, one, why ice cream? So I have been obsessed with ice cream forever. I used to bond with my mom over ice cream. We would drive all the way to Hollywood, actually to haagen and get the ice cream. And for some reason, sit in the car and just like eat it and look at like the Egyptian theater and the Man Chinese theater in LA and just like eat our ice cream bond and talk about life. So it means a lot to me from that level of like family and togetherness, ice cream has proven to like increase happiness. And so that for me, it just is, it's been a thing for me forever. 15 years ago, I was going to go into the ice cream business and got very, very far with it. Um, I decided to not because I was focusing on my talk show, just, just starting my talk show at that time. And there was some other stuff. And so I put it on hold. But now we are launching Smize Cream. I am so excited. I have gained, you can't tell right now, it's very strategic. Gain weight, bigger hair, just tip for everybody if you want to kind of hide it. If you want to look thicker, by the way, super straight hair or very short natural hair, um, and then you can look thicker, just tips. So thicker, thinner, whatever you want to do. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, gained a lot of weight testing my flavors, but it's not just about testing because like I'll do like two pints a day, uh, which is not normal, <laughs> um, but it is so it's worth work. It. <laughs> I wanted to make sure, you know, it's hard work, but um, I wanted to make sure that we can delight everybody's senses. And the great thing with Smize Cream is there's a little surprise in every pint. Woo, I cannot wait to see what yeah. that is. 
a little so, surprise. You trademarked the name as a savvy businesswoman, but people caught wind of that. So how did you handle the sudden influx of media attention around the brand when you were like, I'm just trademarking, I'm here, I'm figuring it out? Kathleen, that's so crazy. So a year ago, I, with our, our team, we trademarked Smize Cream. Smize was already trademarked, but Smize Cream in the ice cream category. Did the trademark, filed it. A couple days later, it's all over the press. And our team is freaking out because we're like, we want to control this. We don't want to talk about this right now. And it's this article and this article and this is an eye cream. And oh, wait, no, it says it's ice cream. And oh my God, what does it taste like? And then they were having pictures of ice cream with like eyes on it, you know, like having fun. Like they were, it was crazy. And first we were panicked, like, ah! and then we were like, wait a second, we're getting all this. People are so excited about this. They were excited. They're like, Tyra, I want to taste it. Like all the like press from everywhere. And we're like, you know what? This is a good thing. It taught me to like, like you can't control everything and to embrace something that is kind of like a, look at it more as a gift as opposed to like lack of control. Absolutely. And I, you know, I love that you also didn't rush to launch when it came out. It wasn't like you were like, oh no, we have to get this out. It was like, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do it right. I think that's incredible um, and a really savvy move as well. So one question I have is you mentioned Haagen-Dazs in the beginning, you know, why didn't you team up with someone that was an existing brand? Why was it important for you to really control and it be your baby? I'm such an entrepreneur at heart. For me, if it doesn't hurt, it's just not worth it. <laughs> We're all in this. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's licensing. You know, I remember I used to, back in the day, I got offered to do the Tara perfume and the Tara clothing line and the Tara sheets and the Tara, you know, all this stuff. And I just was like, yo, that's just too easy. That's like the celeb route. You know, that's like the slap yeah. your name on it thing. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of celebrities doing that, making a lot of money. I was like, I feel I'm a business person. I want to own something. I get so much pleasure being in a, in a meeting with my team and saying, okay, we are here. We want to get to here, but first we got to get to here. And I, I love the process. I honestly do. But I can't say that if Hagen Dazs called me, I wouldn't be like, screw you. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm not calling them. You know what I mean? So yeah. oh yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I love it. Well, in the ice cream market, uh, you know, it's a super competitive space. It's estimated to reach $97 billion by 2023. Much of that coming from my house during quarantine. <laughs> so I would love to know, like, you know, how are you differentiating the brand? Make sure it stands out, you know, beyond what's in the current frozen treat style. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you look at even like the beauty industry. I'm sure there's a lot of people, hey, y'all, in the beauty industry and, and, and entrepreneurs creating products and skincare. And it is oversaturated. But there are brands that come out and have something that is different. So I teach personal branding at um, Stanford's Graduate School of Business there. And one thing that I tell my students is different is better than better. It's not just about like, oh, mine's better. Who cares? How are you different? And that was very important for me for Smize Cream. And that huge differentiator for us, not just amazing, luxurious ice cream with wonderful, you know, um, creative flavors but we have that special surprise in every pint. And it is a surprise that can, you can bond over. It is a surprise that you can be like, I want it this time, you got it last time, I want it this time. We also are incorporating a story. So there's gonna be a Smize Cream Factory book and story that continues Amazing. endless. We wanna do cartoons with Smize Cream. We wanna, so there's this whole ecosystem of a brand that we're creating that we, are bonding and, and, and pulling together family, whatever family means to you. And so it's not just, oh, go down to the ice cream aisle and pick up some ice cream. And it's a whole experience and not just about branding because the product is good and it has a little special surprise inside. That's so true. I think it's, you know, now more than ever, people want stories. They want to know where, you know, the products they're getting are coming from. How, you know, why is it, why should they invest in that experience? Experience versus just like you said, buying something from the shelf. So, so exactly. incredible. And um, but as an entrepreneur and being a, and being a black woman, it's important to me that this new business that I'm launching is helping others. So we have this really strong mentorship program that we're working on for people when it comes to business and entrepreneurship, or even being what we called hired guns, meaning leading a company and really helping African-Americans and women to really reach those goals and mentor them to get there. So that's a whole part of Smize Cream as well, to get people to see their futures and get there, not just to see it, but then to give them the tools to reach it. 
Allow me to hit pause on the interview real quick to talk to you guys about mental health. One of today's sponsors, BetterHelp, is making it safe and convenient to connect online with your own licensed professional therapist that matches your needs. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches that are more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Don't let stress, anxiety, depression, or any other illness interfere with your happiness and keep you from reaching your goals. When you're matched with your licensed professional, you can connect as soon as under 48 hours and everything you share is confidential. I want you to start living a happier life today. So Work Party listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash party. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, betterhelp.com slash party. Now back to the episode. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to, you know, OG Tyra. So obviously you're 15, you're in the modeling industry, you're getting signed, doing shows with Yves Saint Laurent, Chanel, Christian Dior. How did you handle being a professional role model to so many young women when you were just a young woman yourself? Well, when I started, I was 15. I was in the 11th grade in LA. I wish I was doing Dior, child. I was doing like the May Company catalog <laughs> and JC Penney's. I mean, it's the journey. It's the journey. Journey, girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my friends would be like, oh, girl, you in the newspaper. You know, like that's where I was back in the day. And then I went to Europe after I graduated from high school. I got accepted to every college that I applied to for film, television, production. So me being a TV producer was a passion. You know, I just put it on hold for a while and got to Paris. And I was like, voulez-vous, what? I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I took one year of French in the seventh grade. I didn't remember nothing, nothing. And it was one of the scariest things ever. But one thing that I always tell people is like, I had a focus and before I got there, my mama said, you study for the SATs to get into school? I'd be damned if I let your ass go to Paris without studying it. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, French fashion, because it's the fashion business, not fashion fun time. So mm. I took myself to the fashion library here in LA. It does exist. I don't know if it does anymore. And I studied all the designers. I studied Chanel, Yves Saint Laurent, Dior. Then the librarian, like I was like, I need to see videos. And you know, I used to watch CNN style with Elsa Clinch, which was, was a fashion show on television, but I wanted to study just the French designer. So she put in the VCR tape back in the day and I'd study how those models walk. And I looked at what their hair and makeup was. So when I went to Paris, I, for Yves Saint Laurent, I was like, okay, Yves Saint Laurent, he likes the hair slicked back and he likes red lipstick. So I slicked my hair back in the alley in Paris, in the alley, put on some red lipstick and go meet Yves Saint Laurent, walk for him, booked that. Okay, Carl Lagerfeld, he wants you to twirl your pearls and smile and kind of curl, you know. And so then I would literally take my hair down, wipe my lipstick off and put on a little frosty pink lip, walk in and walk for Carl Lagerfeld and book 25 fashion shows. Nobody had ever done that. Child, there were girls that looked way better than I did, child. It, so it wasn't about like, who's the prettiest or who's this? It's like, yeah, the walk was good, but it was that research, like doing your research. And that's one thing I have to say, Jacqueline, like, for people that are like going on job interviews, it, of course, it is hard as hell right now. We are in this pandemic. It is crazy. And so when you are trying to get that job, whether it's now or even when after we find a cure and a vaccine, do as much research as you can about that company. You go in there and you sit in front of your potential future boss or head of HR and you're like, I know that you guys stand for this this, this, and this. And I feel like my core values align with this. Your last blah, 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 made this much money. And I feel like with my expertise in marketing, blah, 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 I can help you get here based on, like the more you know about that company, they're going to be like, dang, like, you know, we have to hire that person. I've interviewed people for Model Land and they're like, okay, so tell me about it. I'm like, child, if you would have just Google, you could have <laughs> You wouldn't know it's an experiential attraction that you can shop at. Like, you're like, so what? And I'm like, why are we in this interview? So more information, the better that you can tell the person that's interviewing you about their company's best. I'm Do right. your homework. No, I loved it. Are you kidding? I think that's <laughs> incredible advice. I'm like, write this down. But back to your career. So obviously from there, things skyrocketed and you famously made history as the first black woman to appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. Did you expect those now iconic covers, like the impact that they had do you think that they sparked the changes needed in the industry? And like, what impact did they have on you personally? Well, personally for me, I went from being a well-known model in the fashion industry to household name walking down the street. Mm -hmm. I kind of knew who I was back then. 
10-year-old little girls and boys and 90-year-old grandmoms and grandpops. So it was a type of fame that was like, whoa. And so that was scary at first. And like people would come up to me and I'd be like, because ah! I mean, imagine overnight. And then now I'm like, hey, give me a hug. Well, not COVID days, but you know, <laughs> before we were uh, struggling. All right, hug days. I remember I used to host America's Got Talent and I would just be hugging people and kissing them and would have a cold all the time because I'm like hugging and wiping snot. And so that's who I am today with people. But back then it was scary and it was overnight. But, but I did know that it was bigger than me. I did understand that being a black woman on that magazine cover, not just the first year, but the next year in a row, I, I knew that it was impactful. And I think that it did some things for the industry, but a lot more for public perception of black women, sexuality and beauty. Um, that mm-hmm. we the girl next door that just happens to be black, that we are American. And I think that really helped that at that time. You know, a lot of the Create and Cultivate audience are entrepreneurs, small business owners, et cetera. But I want to talk a little bit, you said this earlier, like you're like, I love the pain. You know, the reality of being an entrepreneur, it is not glamorous. It's not how it looks on Instagram. Being on the cover of a, of a magazine like that is incredibly amazing, but it comes with its own set of, I'm sure, things that you've had to deal with. So let's pull back the filter for a second. And can you recall like some of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way, mistakes you've made? So much. I mean... I I remember kind of being obsessed with being successful Mm -hmm. and sacrificing everything. Like my mom's like, oh, Thanksgiving is this and you're going to come home and no mama, I got to go to Turks and Caicos and shoot the blah, blah, blah. Or this cousin celebrating that. No mama, sorry, you go represent me. I got to go do this. And yes, success does need to have sacrifice and a lot of sacrifice. However, I think we need to, stay very in touch with ourselves and say, okay, I've had some success. Let me go to the damn family barbecue. I didn't do that for years. And now entrepreneur again, starting Smize Cream, Model Land, it's happening again. Like this cousin's graduation, we were supposed to drive by and wave hi. And instead I'm like making a phone call, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like having to remember that balance is really, really important. It's important for, even for just mental health, and to have that balance. So now I'll like even just sit and watch TV, put my phone away. My bedroom is upstairs. I leave this downstairs, you know, just understanding that balance or else it can be all consuming, but to keep it real, it does have to be all consuming at times. It has to be, when you look at the people that are successful, it's because they're a little bit crazy and like all consuming. We got to learn to just turn it off for a second and take care of ourselves and then go back. I was going to say success can feel like an addiction in many ways. And I think being an entrepreneur and, and to your point, like you have to do that for a, like the most successful people do that. But I think that's such great advice for anyone who's starting out. Um, Cause it can kind of spiral very quickly. So as a public figure, you know, you've had to navigate the scrutiny of the media, obviously now social media, you know, how do you handle negative you know, comments and what advice do you have for cultivating confidence and self-love in spite of haters? So I think now more than ever, we're seeing trolls come out of nowhere and just kind of attacking everyone. And it feels, you know, I think it's for some, you know, small business owners, it makes them scared about putting themselves out there or to face failure, frankly. Yeah. It is a very scary time. A lot of people are hurting right now. So we have to understand where a lot of that is coming from is hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so if you're feeling a lot of hate right now, it's because there's a lot of pain right now. And so sometimes for that person, that outlet of saying something negative and putting their phone down and going on about their day, they're not realizing just how much they're crushing you. But at the same time, I think it is important to sometimes look at that and take it in and say, is this hate or is this healthy critique? And you have to learn the difference. So that's one thing. It's like, what is the category? Is this just like nasty and throw it away? Or is this like, Ooh, I could have done better. And I'm going to talk about Mm -hmm. that. There's a lot that I could have done better. And we're going to get to that in a second. I think also if you find yourself being very sensitive to comments, don't read them. If you have a business that needs to be listening to your customer, which if you're an entrepreneur and you're a B2C, which means business to consumer company, you're selling something or offering a product or a service to the public, you have to listen to them. But if for some reason it hurts your feelings, find some people on your team or a mm-hmm. family member or a friend like, girl, I can't handle it right now. 
So can you just let me know, like, what are we doing wrong? Read it. And then let's figure it out. But I just can't read it because it hurts me. As long as you have somebody looking at that, that you know, has the same values as you and that you answer that and you figure that out, I think it's important. And so as entrepreneurs, we all make mistakes and I have made many, I have made private mistakes. I have made public mistakes. One thing that has been happening is um, the last couple of months, America's Next Top Model has been being binged watched over and over and over again because we're quarantined. So it's like, boom, 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 watching all of it. And there's a lot of things that I did and that even just us as a brand did that in hindsight just ain't cool. I remember I started binging myself um, the first season. Like, let me just sit back and just watch First or the second episode, I think we did weights. We um, weighed the girls. So that's normal in the fashion industry. So I was just doing what the fashion industry does. Back mm-hmm. then, nobody complained about it. But with the evolution of the world, with the evolution of me, I almost like vomited just looking totally. at it. What? And so people were angry about that and so many other things and me critiquing models of the physicality and me thinking at the time, like I need this girl to work. And I know that's not going to, at that time, mm-hmm. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, they're not going to hire her for that. But the way I said things or how I did things, is just like not right. And it was important for me to listen to what people were saying and to say, you know what? It wasn't right. And yes, there's some people that are nasty, but a lot of it is just real and honest. Mm -hmm. And it takes you as an entrepreneur, as a business person to sit back and say, how can I address this? And how can I say, you know what? You guys are right. And so I just wrote something on Twitter. Like I'm looking too, and y'all are right. This, a lot of this is just whack, you know? And the, and the thing we also have to remember as entrepreneurs and leaders is you may have apologized about something before, but a certain generation didn't see it. So there's a few things with top model. One being we, um, we changed the, the, the races. We made them like biracial and it wasn't just like a lot of people said blackface. It was like even black girls were made different races, which is all just race mixing. And we were doing what we call HAPA, which is mixed race, making everybody mixed races in Hawaii. They call it HAPA. At that time, social media just started happening. And so there was a lot of backlash about that. And I went on my talk show and did a whole segment of like, we screwed yeah. up. I'm so sorry. We, we thought it was beautiful. I look at my skin. I'm brown. I didn't think that as a brown person, it was a wrong thing for me to do that because I'm brown. I thought if you weren't brown, it was wrong. But I realized that, wow, you are brown and you do it. It almost gives it an excuse for everybody to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I apologized then, but everybody didn't see that. So right. we'd apologize almost 10 years later. And mm-hmm. so I want... The, the, the business leaders and stuff to understand that and don't get into that. But I already, but I did, but you know, like different generations see things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the internet, everything's online now. Everything lives in perpetuity. And to your point though, like it's progress over perfection. And I think that's so important is recognizing the progress you've made and looking back at the things you've done. No one's perfect, you know? And at the time, to your point, that was the industry. That was status quo. That's what you went through. That's what tons of people went through. Got it at the time, but we have all evolved. Also, the crazy thing is, and this is what I find so interesting, is that America's Next Top Model has a lot to do with that evolution. Putting somebody on with vitiligo and autism and retinitis pigmentosa going blind and a, a man who is deaf won America's Next Top Model. And the list goes on and on and on of all the different things that we've done. So we're a huge part of this mission of diversity and inclusivity. But at the same time, we did some that wasn't right. But like, I always, I saw someone post it, but they're saying like, if you're doing more to help than you are to harm, like you're on the right side of it. And like you said, you've done so much for that. So I think, I think that's amazing. We were the leader of it. We were doing all this before people, people were like, what's a plus size model? And it's like, it's all crazy. And and even like plus size back then was like skinny, you know, like, no, but like we were on the edge, you know? And I even hated the name. I was like plus size model. I was like fiercely real. That didn't become a thing. It was a stupid word that I came up with trying to, because I hate it plus size. You know, I love how the industry is saying curve or curvy. So like we were on the pulse and pushing, 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 but made those mistakes. But I do agree with you that we did a hell of a lot more good than the mistakes that we made, but we made mistakes and it's important to to say that we did and that I did. Before we get into the next topic, I need to hit you guys with this startling statistic. 
75% of Americans are dehydrated, meaning if you're listening to this right now, you're probably dehydrated. Yes, you. Water is crucial to your overall health. Every cell and tissue inside your body requires water to function. And not just any amount of water, but a gallon a day. Thanks to one of today's sponsors, HydroJug, hydration has been made easy. Their durable and reusable jugs hold more than half a gallon, so you don't have to keep getting up from your desk to refill every hour. Their shatterproof dishwasher safe bottle has pockets to conveniently hold my phone and headphones, while the integrated handles makes it easy to keep by my side wherever I go. Plus, it's a good looking bottle with bright and bold colors and neoprene accessory sleeves that keep my water cold. I've had almost too much fun mixing and matching the variety of awesome patterns and colors. If you're looking to reap the benefits of leveling up your hydration game, improved energy, clearer skin, and increased mental clarity, then head to www.thehydrojug.com to customize your jug and use my code PARTY for 10% off your purchase. That's thehydrojug.com for 10% off with code PARTY. Now back to the episode. So you are an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman, you've been in the industry. You know, we always talk about at TNC, the importance of talking about money and women making money specifically. And to be an entrepreneur, you have to fall in love with the numbers, you know, in many ways. So what has been a money lesson that you've learned since stepping into the entrepreneurial space? Cash flow is everything. And at first I didn't understand what it was. So I took these um, courses for a couple of years. Um, it's a program called the Owner President Management Program at Harvard Business School. Part of the course is about, uh, you have to take accounting classes. I was friggin' terrified. I'm like, I'm on these accounting classes and they're going to call on me and I'm going to be like, oh, no. I studied with a, a professor in New York when I was living in New York. He was a professor at Columbia University. He was an accounting professor. His name was Sid, Professor Sid. was his first name, Sid. Balantron. Hi, what's up, Sid? And he taught me about cash flow and how cash is so important. And I was like, what do you mean cash flow? What does that mean? He goes, okay, imagine it's a box and you've got a box and it's got some money in it and money comes in the box that's nice. But then you got to pay people. So money goes out of the box. If this is happening a lot more than the coming in is happening, you have a cash flow situation. You have a problem. And I was like, Oh, so cash flow is very important, which means it is so important that if you are starting a business or having a business to be as, as modest as you can, like, can you move in with your parents? Can you have 10 roommates? Can you try to pay yourself nothing or minimal? Because that cash is important. When there's no more cash in that box, the business is done. Mm. So that is super duper important when it comes to money with a business. And I think a lot of people are feeling that more than ever with COVID because they think, you know, business owners are probably like worst case scenario. We don't get like two months of business or a month of business. No one could have predicted what we're going through today. So, I mean, I think that lesson now more than ever resonates. One thing that you've mastered is multiple revenue streams, multiple careers, multiple hustles. And you um, are also recently announced you'll be joining Dancing with the Stars as the host and executive producer. Congratulations. You know, you were also the creator, executive producer, and host of America's Next Top Model, obviously. So what advice do you have for people who want to pursue many of their interests at the same time? And like, what do you think the best way of going about it and managing all that is? Yeah. So back in the day, when I, I had a talk show and top model at the same time, I was exhausted. We used to do two America's Act top models, top models a year. And I used to do 180 something shows a year on my talk show. And I remember at the time, a big magazine company wanted to do a magazine with me. Another huge entity wanted me to do this whole big thing. And I, I, I started to say no, because I felt like these are fantastic things, but I'm going to not be healthy. Cut to, even during that time, I didn't think I was the happiest. I was on the cover of everything. She's the next this, the next female branded self. You know, they use the O word and the MS, the Oprah and the Martha Stewart and all this stuff. And <laughs> I, I, I just wasn't happy. And yeah. so when um, our leadership professor at Harvard, he had us write down the year that we were the most successful, how much money we were making, what were the things that were happening. And so I outlined that whole year and wrote it all out. And he goes, now in this box, how did you feel? Half of my class, like crap, depressed, sad, because we didn't know how to balance it. We didn't know, mm -hmm. 
a lot of us are first generation successful people too. So you can't go to like auntie with money, like, well, how did you handle, you know, handle this? And so just getting back to that balance is so important and know when to say no. And the things that help me do more than just one thing is it's gotta be one of three things. It's gotta be fierce. It's gotta be funny or it has to have heart. And either that thing that I'm joining has that, or they are open to me adding that. Mm. So when I look at Dancing with the Stars, there is so much heart. You've seen those celebrities where they want to frigging cry when they get like a bad score, you know? And then the whole like glitz of the dancing, it's not fierce. I'm going to fierceify it. Um, <laughs> it does have that like showmanship, right? Mm. And mm. I want to add a lot of humor which um, Tom Bergeron, who was amazing, already had a lot of that. So I want to bring my own version of that humor to it. And so I always look at those three things. Does it have it or can I add it? And so I also look at like the holistic whole picture. So I used to be super concerned with being cool. Like, oh, I got to do the edgy magazines. Like, you know, not just the top five, not the Vogue's and the bazaars and the allures. I got to do like the edgy thing and I got to like, dress edgy and I got to do all this and be cool. And then I realized, Tara, you ain't cool. You was on the cover of Sportalition. You was Victoria's Secret model girl. That is just Americana. That is like, even though it was sexy brands, it's still kind of like family-ish. You know, I do signings and like the 12 year old little girl comes and Tara and her little brother, <laughs> her grandfather. And, you know, and I realized that. And so I realized I'm not cool and I kind of don't want to be. But I want to bring cool to Americana. So America's Next Top Model, right? Kind of very candy and fun and all of this. And there's an edge of the fashion industry in it, but we weren't edgy and cool. It wasn't like, oh my God, yeah, I got a Prada. It's amazing, you know? I knew nobody would watch that. So I brought my funny, fierce heart to that. So that's how I look at everything. And if it doesn't have that, then I won't do it. And I love because I think that, that cool girl kind of like intimidating was very in for so long. And I think finally now it's like approachable, funny, like what you're saying is now I think what people want. And I think that's so amazing. I don't know how to be cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same girl. Um, But I love that because I think, I mean, I'm sure you had a lot to do with that too, because it's like, you know, you brought in like you're so fashionable, so cool. It's like, in just so many people, you might not think it, but I think that's so amazing that you're able to bring that to mainstream television where you're reaching the mom, the dad, the brother, the son, whatever Everybody. it is. I remember when we launched America's Next Top Model, for years, the fashion industry looked at me like, ah, what is she doing? I'm sure. Mm. Like, ah, how can you do that? Like, you're just like exposing our stuff and then like adding all this candy and stuff to it and making it so mass. I had one modeling agent tell me like, you know, I hate you. And I'm like, why? He goes, because I had to shut down open calls, meaning like every Tuesday, anybody can come to a modeling agency and show them your pictures and walk down their hallway to see if they wanted to sign you. I had to shut it down because like the lines are around the corner because you make everybody think they could be a model. I'm like, thank you, hello, yeah. You know, I realized cool is not for me. I want to like bring fashion, candy, beauty, fun, self-esteem sassy you know not cool but I do like to look at cool people and I like to look at them. <laughs> we all do I want to talk about model land so you know that was more than a decade in the making so take us back to the light bulb moment and like walk us through you know your long-term vision for model land so I had you know America's Next Top Model and there were a couple of dozen people a year and then later just about a dozen people a year that could participate but millions watched not just America, but in 180 countries, top model is in. And I was like, something doesn't feel right. People are taking selfies and being like, oh, I could do the photo shoot with the, you know, you guys did a marshmallow photo shoot. Here's my pillow and it's a marshmallow thing. And they're like tagging us. And I was like, this is not right. I want to flip this. And I love Disneyland. I love Universal Studios. I love immersive theater. Sleep no more in New York City. If you guys live in New York or Jersey or Connecticut or anywhere, when COVID is finished, when we have a cure, go see Sleep No More. It is fantastic and it will never be the same show twice. So I love immersive theater and all of that. I said, 
what if I combined like the whole photo fantasy of America's Next Top Model with the theatrical immersion of Sleep No More and then just the waxadaisical like fantasy of Disneyland and the shopping fun of a kind of a department store and that's Model Land. So that's what it is. And people, everybody's like, what the hell is Model Land? Because we were very secretive about it. Saturday, we were going to do a dress rehearsal and invite some secret people to come watch and experience and shop, you know, and give us feedback. And then that Monday, we were going to do video of the place and photos and finally show the world what it was. And then what happened? We had oh. So the test run never happened with the team. We never did videos or professional photos of Model Land. We turned off our tech. We turned off our lights. We had to say goodbye to almost 100 people. And it's there and it's waiting. And so on Instagram, we say, Model Land will open when the world is ready for it too. And that was so hard for me because we had this team that was just working so hard and we were just so in love with this because we knew that it was not just about having fun, but it was about diversity and inclusivity. That is the heart of Model Land. And then so funny, when we open up, people are like, oh, she all on this trend now. No, 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 no. I've been talking about this for 20 years. And Model Land mm. is sitting there ready to open. And Tuki De La Creme is this character in Model Land that you get to meet. She has one green eye and one brown eye. And she's kind of awkward. And she is like leading this revolution to say beauty does not mean one thing. So when you come, you're having fun, but you're also learning wonderful messages. And you can have some ice cream too. So we're doing some ice cream, even though Modeling can't open, we will be having some ice cream at Santa Monica Place. So yeah. exciting. Um, and, you know, obviously I can't even imagine how devastating that was to get the news. And, you know, I think our business is affected. I mean, everyone's affected. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs who maybe are going through COVID-induced setbacks right now? So I think one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs need to think about is who has a business that's kind of like yours mm. and they're kind of have a little something and it was stopped because of COVID because sometimes it's join up or die. Mm. So it might've been a rival. It might've been a competitor, but together you guys maybe can create magic together. Is it two businesses? Is it three businesses? I do think that's one thing that can happen. Another is, don't stop thinking about different things that you can do. I've been speaking to different investors and they are looking at Model Land and going, wow, like you're not just sitting and waiting and twiddling your thumbs. You said, you know what? We're going to introduce some ice cream. We were going to do it anyway, but you're, we're introducing it like way earlier than we were going to. And they're like, that's resilience. So mm-hmm. what are different things that you can do? And times are tough and it's okay if you got to call your friends and sleep on their couches or go back home to mama or daddy or auntie or pastor or grandmama or whoever it is, this is the time that we are in right now. And we swallow our pride and we hold on and we survive. And the dream never dies. It doesn't die. You may be bankrupt. You may have no money in your bank account, but the dream lives here. And once you can get back on your feet again, might have to go sideways. You might have to be a barista for a little bit. You might have to go deliver some Amazon mm-hmm. packages for a little bit. But if the dream is there, you can get there. I love that. I think it's so inspiring. And I think that's a great way to look at it because it can feel really overwhelming and really hard to deal with. But just knowing that it's a collective trauma that we're all going through and that model lands on hold, but it's coming back. Like we're all coming back. Like it's all going to be happening. And, so if, looking back- business, and if your business went away, it doesn't mean that you can't start another one right? Because there are some businesses or some ideas that because of COVID are gone and they will not come back. But the thing is, investors always say that they don't invest in the product. They don't invest in the idea. They invest in the person. And I'm not saying that every entrepreneur needs an investor because they don't. But what I'm saying is if you had an idea and it's not working because of COVID, you are an entrepreneur, you're a creative person, which means there's something else that can happen. Just got to let it there and it will come. 
This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. You guys have heard me talk about Public Goods before, and I'm so excited to feature them again and share some new products that I'm absolutely loving. The amount of satisfaction I now get from a clean home is next level. I light my lavender and vanilla candle, give my counters a good scrub with my surface cleaner, and treat myself to a handful or two of the chocolate almonds to create my perfect evening wind down routine. The best part about these products is they look and smell expensive, but they aren't. Public Goods uses a membership model to keep costs low and pass on even more savings to their customers. And we worked out an awesome new deal just for Work Party listeners. Receive $15 off your first Public Goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Plus, right now, receive your choice of either a free pack of bamboo straws or my favorite reusable food storage wraps with your order. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash party or use code party at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash party to receive $15 off your first order. All right, guys. Now back to the episode. Okay. So you've had this incredible career looking back at the beginning of your career journey. What advice would you give yourself? Oh, what advice would I give myself? I remember I was supposed to go to um, Loyola Marymount university for film and television production. I decided to go to that school. I thought it was beautiful campus. A lot of my friends from high school were going there. And I remember I did not go. I went to Paris instead because I had this opportunity to model in Paris and I did really well in Paris. But when graduation hit four years later for my friends, I pretended that I had a stomach ache or something because I felt like a failure. Even though I was a successful model, I was doing something that I was discovered to do, not necessarily something that was the passion for me and school is everything to me. And so I didn't go to their graduation. And so I would tell myself back then like, go to the goddamn graduation. <laughs> celebrate your friends. Celebrate your friends. And, totally. and also understand that all work is honorable, you know? And, and I know this is going to sound weird. They're like, Tara, you're a supermodel. But it's all here. Mm-hmm. All here. And I felt like I had failed. That I wasn't a successful television producer. That I didn't graduate to college yet. And graduate from college. Cut to years later... I do this business course and now I'm an alumna of Harvard Business School and have America's Next Top Model. So it was just later. So that's one of the things. Another thing I already talked about was balance, really needing to take a little bit more time for myself. I remember there were times with America's Next Top Model where the world didn't see this, but I was crying in the bathroom because yeah. um, I was having a stomach attack. I used to, ha- I don't have it anymore. I don't know why, but I used to have these bad tummy, tummy attacks, like just probably stress. Yeah, I think. And it they could last three hours to more than 24 hours. And I would go in the bathroom, and cry and just be like in pain. And then just come out of that bathroom and be like, I have two photos in my hands. You had no idea that I was tearing up in the bathroom. Another thing I would tell myself was like, he ain't worth it. <laughs> Universal. Universal. Universal advice. I remember this boy, child, he was a singer, broke up with me. And I was devastated. I was in my 20s. I was devastated. I could not eat. I moved into my mother's house. My mother would feed me chicken soup with a spoon. Like, you got to eat. She unplugged. This is before cell phones. I'm an old child. Um, This is before cell phones. And so she unplugged all the phones in the house. (laughs) And it wasn't before cell phones. Before they were very popular. So uh, she, I guess she probably took my phone and unplugged all the phones in the house and said, you will not call him. There were times when I had on this robe, I wanted to like throw the robe off and run down the street. I don't know where. I mean, she was like 40 miles away from his house, but it was like, it was debilitating. Mm. And I remember I had a job in the Caribbean for Victoria's Secret. I was like, mama, I can't go. I can't just, I just can't go and tell him I can't go. And my mama took my face and she said, you will not miss work for a man. 
And she said, get your ass up, pack your bags. We go into the Caribbean. <laughs> I so, love your mom. So she gets on the plane with me and I'm on some island. I don't remember what it was, some island. And I'm crying in the bathroom. And she said, you cry in the bathroom, like damn tears. And you get your ass on that set. You ain't, mm -mm, we ain't letting him win. And I'm on the set. Years later, everybody at Victoria's Secret told me, you know, your mom, uh, she told us that you were really going through it and that homeboy broke her. I'm like, you guys all knew. I promised my mom, promised that she, you know, she wouldn't tell you guys. She goes, they were like, no, you were a hot mess. And so she let us know or else she would have looked crazy. She goes, you were, you, were, you were crying when you were doing your shoot. But in between shots, you looked crazy. So she told us. Oh, but to yeah. this day, I've had many heartbreaks and I will get my ass in that office, mm -hmm. you know, on that plane or whatever, cry my ass in that bathroom. Don't miss work for a man or for yeah. the lesbians, for a woman or for anybody else, for non-binary, for they, we don't miss work for nobody, honey. We get up. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and we'll wrap on this question. You know, success is such a broad term, and especially these days, has so many different meetings. So I'd love to know how you define success. Oh, today it's so different. In the beginning, it used to be like, how much could I get? How many magazine covers could I be on? How many runways could I walk? Now it's how many businesses can I start where I can employ people? How many people of color can I give an opportunity to that not just changes their life, but changes the trajectory of their legacy for generations? And the last thing is success for me is how the hell am I going to teach my son math today, then do that Zoom meeting, then do the music <laughs> class on Zoom, then do his rhyming and his reading, and then do his PE class outside child. It is crazy. It is hard. I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms. I have so much respect for teachers because this is no joke. I just rapid fire question. No. Are you are you ready? Okay. The weirdest thing you've ever done for work. This was uh, during Milan Fashion Week. I was a very new model, did not have money. My mom and I splurged and went to this fancy restaurant, this Chinese restaurant called Kota Raja. And we would just get like one little chicken dish and some rice. There was a family of people, like just 10 people, and they had this round table and they ordered damn near everything on the menu. And then they finished their food, got up and left. And my mom and I are sitting there going, there's a lot of food on that table. <laughs> my mom and I ate all of their food. Oh my God. And the waiter was looking at us like, are you crazy? Wow. We're like, we trying to make it out here. We ain't got no money. <laughs> we ate their food. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I mean, pre-COVID, definitely a pre-COVID story, but I don't, hey. This is like, I was, I'm 46 years old. I was like 18. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, I don't have to go to waste. I, I hear that. Okay. The song that best describes your work ethic. You know what? I think it's Lizzo's Good As Hell. Because when I think about that, she's talking about herself so much. She's also talking about other people. So everything that, that I do, everything that my team does is for other people. Like how do we uplift? How do we entertain? How do we make them feel better about themselves? How do we get them get that self-esteem? How do we, so I listen to that song and I'm like, that's, that's, that's my work thing. That's, that's our jam. That's what we're about. That song never gets old either. Like it's like, I've listened to it so many times. It never gets old. Okay. Your biggest pet peeve in the workplace. Okay, my, my biggest pet peeve in the workplace is when someone doesn't offer an idea because they think it's stupid. And so like brainstorming sessions, like, okay, what is your idea? What is your idea? I don't have an idea. So I have now implemented this thing that our brainstorm sessions, uh, this was pre-COVID. I have to figure out how to do that on Zoom. Everybody gets a bunch of index cards and we blast music really loud. And then everybody just has to write down all of their ideas on the index cards until the song is over. We throw them in a box and then I pick them up one at a time and I go, da, 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 and then I put it on a board and they can either say it's their idea or not. Oftentimes that shy person that never speaks up in meetings is like, oh my God, you guys are going with my idea and it's huge and I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I oh, love that. I love some ideas. Yeah. And like, it's interesting. We did like a business thing at Crate and Cold Bay, like where we did, and they were like talking about introvert work styles versus extroverts and how introverts get overlooked so often. So that's such a great idea. I love that. Okay. My hidden talent is. I'm a freestyle rapper. Ooh, can we hear something? Okay. 
Well, I'm sitting here chilling with Jacqueline. Her drink of choice is juice and gin. We talking about business and how to win. Roll the dice. Spin, spin. I don't know. <laughs> That was amazing. Oh my God. Um, I'm like dying over Darren right now. He's probably like, <laughs> um, okay. If I could be any flavor of ice cream, I'd be. If I could be any flavor of ice cream, I'd be cookies and dreams. Oh. oh. We have to end on that. What? 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 Drop the pin? What? <laughs> drop the mic, drop the pen, drop the zoom. Oh, you are amazing. Uh, this Thank was you. so awesome. Amazing. You are amazing. Thank you. Like you're so, changing people's lives. Like what you're doing with Create and Cultivate is so huge, so amazing. People are getting so much from what you do. And it's not just the Zoom. I mean, you're I mean, you've been doing this for a while. It's it's bananas. And the store that you have at the platform, like that's so old, next level. You guys gotta go check that out. Is it still there right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm still there. Okay, you guys gotta go to the platform. Okay, it's in Culver City. It's one of the bananas, amazing like shopping centers. Jacqueline has a create and cultivate store there. And it's but it's like a e-commerce site, but like come to life. And like yes. you look in the window, you don't go in because it's COVID day. So you look in the window and then there's some kind of code thing that you do and you can like order it. And it's like all of these like different people of color and women and African American people and all kind of stuff, products and it's so genius. <laughs> That's our commercial, everyone. <laughs> we appreciate you so much. And anything we could ever do to support, obviously, we're here. Thank you. Just go get some some ice cream, y'all. Santa Monica Place. Okay. We will be there. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.